0: Today is November 8th, 2020, and you are listening to Sam Walking in the World, episode 33. The fastest growing podcast in all of Noel Top Terrace. And as always, these are the thoughts of a guy who used to be unhappy, now just trying to live like he wants to be when he dies. Guten Tag, Kia ora, Mihao, top of the morning, and a big fat hello. To all my devoted listeners throughout four continents in both hemispheres, I am very grateful to all of you, and as always, thrilled as ever to hear you listening to the sound of my voice. Now, I've got a lot to talk about in politics. Um, I didn't even plan on doing an episode today, and um, I got a text message from a good friend who asked me a question that was really worth thinking about, and I thought about it, and I'm going to share it with you, and it has to do with um, how... It has to do with whether or not it's best for us to be calm, for there to be social calm as a country, even if it means having the president that you would not prefer. So we don't have to hear all of this terrible stuff in the news anymore. I'll tell you specifically what he texted me and then um, my response texts to him. And um, you can kind of share in the back and forth. Think about what you think. Um but before I get to all that, I'm gonna, I have two quick stories that I want to tell you about things that happened this morning with a dog. Now, I beat Sadie up again this morning. Wait a minute, that doesn't sound good. I arose prior to her this morning, and um, when I woke her up, it was a little bit later than normal. Um, normally, she'll wake me up at about quarter to five, um, but I woke up first, and so I woke her up. And she did her long yawning grandpa thing that I've talked about before, and it's just cutest thing to behold. But anyway, once she was up, she was all about getting back out for a walk. She had a very busy day yesterday. She was she was playing um, kind of up in the country with her boyfriend Radar. They might just be friends. I don't know. I, I tell her to wait. She's only seven. Wait till she really understands more about relationships, and then she can, you know. But anyway they were running and running and running and, and she had she had worn herself out. She was so tired last night. She also went for two walks with my wife and then she went for a walk with me this morning, it actually turned out to be a wild run. Um and I will get to more of that. And then I had an incident with the police. I myself had a police interaction. And <laughs> just to tease it a little bit, I want to tell you I was uh it was very it was pitch dark and i was wearing nothing but black and my top was my black lives matter sweatshirt and um i had a cap on and um and police approached me because there was an alleged burglary in the area possible burglary in the area right on my street and they came down the street and saw me like that and I'll tell you more about how that went. First, let me get to Sadie. I had a very prescient moment. Um, I, about, I, I have this tendency where I will see things that I think I might need or might like to have or could be useful, and then I'll buy them. And I'll just kind of leave them around where I see them. And then eventually, when I feel like it, it's the time is right or I just have nothing to do and I'm bored, I'll take one of them out and – put it together or get the app for it and start using it, whatever device it happens to be. Um, Like I I had this citronella candle that I tell you about how I stare at. It's a torch sitting outside. I think I've had it for two years and I've never lit it. And I thought, you know what? I think think now's the time. So I got it and I put it out there and I've been enjoying it ever since, as has Sadie. And um, it's just a flame, one flame that's torch-like, with the back In the backdrop is the woods that kind of slope down, and um, it's the only light that's out there. It's bright and dancing, and it's really nice. But anyway, my point is, I waited to, to put it up, to put it on, to use it. And I did the same exact thing with a GPS collar for Sadie. It's uh, called a Paw Scout. P-A-W-S-C-O-U-T. And I'm not a, doing a commercial for them or anything, although I might. If it works out very well, you might just hear me talking about how much it works. But it's a GPS tag that goes on the dock. I'm Sure, I'm behind the curve on this as I am on so many things. But I'm I'm catching up. So she has one now. But she didn't yesterday. I mean, she had one, but it was just hanging on my hook of things I might eventually do. So instead of getting it home and, and rushing to do the task, I put it down, which is against my my normal impulses. I put it down, and I said, I'll get to that when it feels like the right time. But for some reason, I don't know if this is God working in my life, but for some reason this morning, I had the inclination to put it on. It's like, you know, she was running around yesterday. Maybe she feels a little bit freer than normal and so I took it out, I, I got the app, I paired it with my phone, and I, I cut my finger deeply as I tried to separate the little ring that connects the thing to the phone, I mean to the dog's collar. Man alive, because I cut my nails so much because I'm OCD, there was a nice little opening for that piece of metal to go in there right underneath your finger part and your fingernail on your thumb and you see the blood outside the nail there, and you know you must have cut something, but you're not exactly sure, and it hurts, but then it goes away. It's kind of already gone away as I touch it right now. Anyway, um, I put it on her this morning, and then we went outside, and this is where the two stories kind of string together. I'm going to take a timeout in the GPS collar story, and I'm going to switch over to the encounter with the cop story. Now, I'm standing at the end of my driveway. Normally, our walk is basically just down to the end of the street from the from the end of the cul-de-sac, that end, whatever, wherever, where we are, down to where the first main road is. And then we kind of make our way back. Now, she runs all over the place. It's not like she's just run with me uh, on the road. She goes and sniffs her usual places, and she chases birds, and she plays with her rabbit friend. And then she eventually... It probably takes her about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes to make it all the way down to the street where I am. And for some reason, that's where she wants her first treat. And I have these mini milk bones. It's kind of my way of guaranteeing she's going to come back. So I give her a milk bone and we start our way back. And it almost triggers this thing where she knows now she's going to stay with me. She'll eat that milk bone, and about 15 paces later, she'll want another milk bone, and I'll give her one. Our way back tends to be faster than the way down, because she's already sniffed all her spots and done all of her running around. Um, But before all of that, I was standing in my driveway, and she was just standing in the yard. You know, she tinkled, and then she was going to get ready to make her journey kind of all over the place as we get down the street. But right before that happened, she was kind of still in the front lawn. Um, out of sight for anyone coming down the street kind of behind our cars in our driveway i was standing in the middle of the end of the driveway so i was very visible like right by the mailbox and i as i was looking down the street just kind of casually i wasn't really even looking at anything um because uh um that's where the sky is the darkest but i'm looking at the stars and and I see silhouettes of cars because there's always a few cars parked on the street, and and then I hear a car start up, and appears to me, to the sound of it, appears to me like it's going the other direction, like going toward the road, leaving, maybe going to work or something like that, and then the another car starts up, and it, it turns out to me they're not going down the street; they're coming toward me with their lights off. The big hulking SUVs, two of them come flying down the street in that short distance. It probably was less than a quarter of a mile. They got to a pretty quick speed and then slammed on their brakes right at my driveway, like right in front of me. And then, by, by then I saw a sheriff on the front of one of them, but they still had their lights off. They both got out of the cars, large men. Man, I, I, I forget sometimes how big most cops are. I mean, they look like they could be professional athlete-sized people. Like big dudes. And um, it just made me realize how often maybe they need to be stronger than the person that they're dealing with for whatever reason. But it was pretty intimidating. And they both got out of the cars and they approached me. And at first they just kind of sized me up. Like if they, they, they got within about 10 feet of me and they both stopped. They had their hands, their palms on their guns, on their hip. And they kind of assessed me. And I was just standing there looking at them. I had no idea why they were there, or what they wanted from me. And I was a little bit, a little bit tense. And uh, but I started to calm down because I know I didn't do anything. And and then I thought to myself, I'm standing here in a Black Lives Matter sweatshirt, with black sweatpants on and a black hat. Um, I am white. That 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 does bear some relevance, I suppose, depending on how you look at it. And, um, and they were assessing me and then I noticed both of them moved their hands off their guns they were just standing there but their hands were at their sides and that just we all kind of took a breath and then one of them said are you a homeowner and I said um, yes this is my house right here I pointed to the houses the driveway I was standing in. and they were still assessing me and I wasn't sure what was going to happen next. And then Sadie appeared around the corner of the car. Literally walked over on the driveway next to me and sat like she normally does when there's new people. You know, when, when, when new people show a, a, um, an affection kind of attitude, she'll go up and start, you know, wanting to be petted and walking between their legs and, and all that. Um, but she hadn't really got that sense yet. So she basically was just sitting next to me. Maybe she even wanted a treat. I don't even know why. But either way, she came around the corner of the driveway and she sat next to me. Just sat and looked at the people, the cops, like I I was looking at them. And then that disarmed them completely. That made them believe that I was a homeowner. It made them believe that this was my house and likely that was my dog. Because um, if you're a robber, you don't tend to travel with your dog. Maybe some do. I don't know how it works. But generally, a dog is from the place where it is. And if there's a person there that isn't from there, the dog would won't be, you know, super friendly to it, at least appear to be a buddy, which Sadie is for me. And they noticed it right away. And then they, from that moment on, I was viewed as the man who owned that house. I did not have to show identification. They didn't ask for my driver's license. Um... They didn't ask me any questions after that, except they asked me if I heard an alarm, because apparently an alarm went off in the house next door to me. And It's these two elderly people, totally cool people, um, but elderly. And um, their alarm must have gone off. They asked me if I would heard it. I said, no, I said, but I do sleep pretty deeply. And so um, they began walking around the house. They were looking with flashlights around the neighbor, my neighbor's house. Completely forgot about me. I was I was so not a threat after that that they just turned their backs to me and, and went about doing their thing. I was standing. I could have literally been anybody, actually. Could have been my dog and it could have been from somewhere else. But something about the interaction made them feel it was all right to believe me and to go about their business as policemen who do their job. And I, I did not feel in any way harassed. In fact, I felt safe. I felt I was made to feel more secure. These were good people doing a good thing. And I was I was, a, an, an ordinary person who kind of rooting for them. I felt myself rooting for them. Like if there's a, a, a burglar or a robber around, I, I hope you find him. I hope that house stays safe. I'm glad you're here. And then they went around with their flashlights. And then finally, they, finally I'm sorry, I was hiccuping. Finally, they knocked on the door. and the And the woman answered. And they had a short conversation, and the woman indicated that she had tripped, tripped the alarm somehow, put in the wrong number, or or uh, closed the door before they had turned the system off, or something like that. And the cop said, "Okay, well, I'm very sorry to bother you. Um, um, I hope I didn't wake you, and um, and we're done with our business here." And then they both got back in their sheriff's cars. Sadie and I still standing there the whole time, just standing there watching all this. We got back in the sheriff cars. And on the way, they gave me a wave and said, just give us a call if you see anything unusual. And then they swerved around. They waved at us as they went by, and they were gone. And I thought to myself, wow. It didn't occur to me right away, but then it occurred to me. I just had a police encounter. There was suspicious activity in my area. And the police showed up and I couldn't help but think about how my demeanor not even de-escalated because it never was escalated, but just maintained a calm interaction. I didn't ask them why they were asking me questions. I didn't tell them it's none of their business. Um, and meanwhile, remember, I'm wearing a Black Lives Matter sweatshirt. And I wonder if that kind of calculation is done by police. They might have even been more predisposed to think of me as somebody who doesn't like police. Because, that I, correct me if I'm wrong, but the tendency in the Black Lives Matter, you know, movement is that police have lots of police brutality. They're, pre, they're prone to police brutality. You know, they, they need to be defunded. Because they're not trained right. They could have projected all of that into my thought pattern at that moment. And and maybe they did. Maybe they did and they remained professional anyway. Maybe they hate Black Lives Matter. But they remained professional anyway. And I thought, geez, how how different that could have gone if I had done anything else, run in the opposite direction, cussed at them, took out my anger about something else on them because they're an object that I could take it out on. And now it appears to be even, you know, politically acceptable to take that ire out on the police, especially for people that probably would be wearing a Black Lives Matter sweatshirt. These, of course, I didn't didn't mention it, but they're both Caucasian men, giant hulking Caucasian men. They look like linemen for like Nebraska, and yet nothing happened except a friendly exchange and two cops doing their job. I just wonder how many ways it could have gone sideways if I if I or they had let any kind of um, predilection to animus. Uh, enter into the interaction. Neither of us did. It ended up a very healthy, peaceful interaction, which I, I, I'm going to keep it as a good memory. I'm going to keep it as a, as a reminder to myself about how it, how a person ought to interact with police and how police ought to interact with a person. So, go cops today. Now, they left and then Sadie and I started our walk. Now Sadie does not have her radio leash on. The one that beeps and then zaps her when she gets too far. Of course she doesn't have it on because we're walking down you know far enough away from the house that she'd be living in permanent zap state if I did. Which I've done. I brought her in the car once and she was looking at me funny and I was like, What? And then like about a half a mile away I heard the beeping and the buzzing and like oh my God, I just tortured my dog. She, she suffered well, though. She forgave me. And I never did it again. I haven't yet done it again. Um, and so... Um, we started walking down the street. And because it was later... Normally, at quarter to five, there's nobody up. I beat the world up. Nope, that didn't sound good either. <laughs> I awakened before the world. And and there's never anyone out there to mix with or worry about luring sadie or whatever but this time there was my neighbor four houses down has this large um black kind of like a labrador say doberman mix it's kind of a big pointy dog and um she's kind of friends with sadie she's an older gal so she's not as energetic as sadie but she can get around when she wants to run because she's so big and she was off her leash for just enough time for the two dogs to start running together, and they ran away. They ran up between the yards, across the street from my house, up the hill. And it, like I've said, it, it's endless cul-de-sacs. My, my neighborhood is like bronchioles in a lung. They, you go up my street, that Winkworth is my street. You go up that street, and then there's no top which has a very quickly growing podcast, by the way, I hear. And then if you keep on going up, all the rest of the roads are just cul-de-sacs going off to the right, off to the right, off of this big horseshoe. And um, they just run up through those houses, through those neighborhoods, and, and they can't really get anywhere else because eventually they'll end up at a highway up there, but it's really far and all uphill. And I guess, I guess, I mean, technically they probably could, but... Um, Sadie's got an awesome nose and she always knows how to find her way home when she wants to, I believe, as does this other dog. Although this dog is the the sort that will just roam. It'll roam until it's found and then it'll run to its owner's car. And of all the days to have put my GPS on my dog, I chose today. And I'd forgotten that I had done it. My interaction with the police And me, all you know, but just change, you know, some things can change what you were thinking about last. So, my mind didn't default back to the fact that I had just done it. And so, I ran and got my phone and I looked and I saw, okay, they're up by this other street, way, way, way up high, and probably like a half a mile away. And so, um, I told my friend who was in his truck, I said, why don't you go up there and see if you can find him? And sure enough, he found him. And they brought them both back in the truck. Um, he got his, his own dog the normal way. Just pulled up, and the dog jumped in the truck. And then there was Sadie, wondering if she's supposed to get in this truck too. And then finally, she did. And she came up. And when I, I, I had gone out a different direction. And um, when I realized to check my phone, and then then I came back. And when I came back, he had he had already found the dog. So it was pretty incredible um, that I had that I had put it on her the same day that she'd gotten lost. Like, not lost, but run away, truly run away for the first time. So I was never in any doubt where she was as soon as I went to my phone. So that is that. You can, you can take all of that story for what it's worth altogether. Now I'm muttering, mumbling like a stutter and bum. So I'm going to take a break. And when I get back, I will get to the other stuff, political analysis, the state of the country, and the rest of all that stuff. After this, welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 33. Uh, That message was brought to you by my bongo man, my number one bongo man. Um, Milky uh, chipped a hoof on the way in this morning and he called in and he'll be in a little bit later, I'm pretty sure, if he makes it. I told him to stay home, but he's not gonna. You know, Milky. Anyway, um, I want to continue on now and talk about some politics. I had an interesting back-and-forth um, text conversation with a good friend of mine, a smart man, uh, my smart friend, I think I'll call him, and his question was this. We we tend to see eye-to-eye eye on on lifey issues. We don't actually ever get into political arguments about candidates, um, but we're both, I think, pretty open to the way the news is delivered, and I think similar kind of antenna when it comes to the zeitgeist. Um, so we have we tend to have interesting conversations. And he really got me thinking on this one. It was such a good question, and I have thought about it, and I want to share it with you. And so his first, I'll, I'll kind of take you through the text interaction, and then I'll share my feelings about it. Uh, so m- my really smart friend texted me, is it better to have calm? Is it better for the collective psyche of the country that the mainstream news will be complimentary of their leadership? They feel comforted by the good news. I find my friends are relieved that they won't be so stressed out anymore by all the things they're saying in the news. Now, by complimentary of leadership, I think he means now that Biden is elected and the news will become more friendly toward our president. And that will that will allow us to perceive, I guess, less vitriol. But the presumption in the message is that the, a large percent—I know his isn't directly, nor is mine—but a large per, per, for of a large portion of the population, their idea of how America is doing, whether it's calm or whether there's unrest, tends to be facilitated by the messages that they get in the media, and the media has been telling us how chaotic everything is much unrest and how much division we have and so um I'll, I'll share more about what i think a little bit later but what i said back to him first what i thought before i sent it back to him was i thought and we were not arguing by the way you'll see um i said first i thought how much unrest was there before president biden was elected How much unrest was there, actually, and where? Because the news was was portraying a great deal of unrest. And I'm thinking, I only really saw unrest, and of course it's from the news and I surf the outlets, but I only saw unrest in what appeared to be Democrat-run cities. Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland, New York City. Some in St. Louis. I thought those are all, those are all blue areas, dark blue areas, and I understand they, that in those dark blue areas they have a strong dislike of Trump, and so I would understand why they would be, um, you know, speaking out against him, protesting. But. What we saw, even on, the, even on the news, more on Fox than on the other networks, but we, what they eventually had to show was what was going on in the streets of these various cities. And, and what you could see, if you just turned your sound down and just watched, you'd see fires shooting off of, of rockets of different kinds, looting. Uh, you saw plenty of destruction of property. People trying to defend their property. One man being killed because he was defending a, a pawn shop for his friend. A black man who was killed by another black man. Um, but where where else was there so great an unrest? I, I challenge you. Tell me where. And and, and even those, those violent outbursts that we saw, they were described, if you turned the volume back up on your TV... You would hear that these fires and looting, and they were the exception to the rule. They were not the rule. The rule was mostly peaceful protests. And then then there was these outlying incidents um, that, according to the media, were often sparked by Trump supporters or Trump-supporting militias. But it was pretty clear as day to see when you watched the looting that, that you could tell they were not Trump supporters. So I texted back, so long as the media doesn't replace an effort to tell us the truth with an effort to validate an ideology or a political party, political side of the aisle, so long as they don't replace the effort to tell us the truth with the effort to validate one side, which I I know they do. You got to know they do. You must just believe it's right. If you're on the other side, you see it being validated, and you think, yes, aptly so. It is the right side. But the media's job is not to choose those sides. It's to tell us the facts. So literally, this is what I wrote. So long as the media doesn't replace the pursuit of truth with the pursuit to validate the perspective of one ideology, as you'll see, the media will shift their efforts from criticism of the conservative leadership to criticism of the conservative opposition to liberal leadership. The the media creates the perception of chaos and the need for calm during Republican administrations, and then portrays calm during Democrat administrations. Those whose perceptions are formed by the media will always be predisposed to think liberal leadership is best for the country because it appears to be the most calming. People ought to be forming the mood of the country based on real things, not the media forming the mood of the country based on false things. He texted back, people are acting like they have PTSD from the Trump administration. I suppose that's true. And I texted back, don't worry, the media will calm them down. Now, COVID will be on the downswing. The economic rebound will be Biden's. The looting will actually stop. It will be interesting. I put in parentheses how the media covers the next cop-on-black shooting. The world will view the the world will view us as Americans as more more respectfully. Although I don't really know how we measure that, but apparently the media can tell whether the rest of the world thinks we're a laughingstock or not. And then I said, finally, and and we will be united as a country, despite an, an incredibly split electorate. But we'll be united now. So I guess the lesson is, so long as you have a Democratic presidency, the world is united. It makes you wonder how a Republican ever gets elected in the first place. And then after a moment, I thought to myself... And I texted to him, China has no civil unrest. So when it comes to the overall question, is calm better than unrest? I suppose it depends on whether or not you prefer to have the truth available to you, as they do not in China. The Chinese media controls the information that Chinese are given. It is 100% government censorship. So based on what the people see, they are inspired to come. We, I believe, I hope, we still have a different ideology than that. That we want to know the truth and we are able to disagree. And so sometimes, even though there really wasn't that much unrest, there was there was vehement disagreement. And if there was unrest and violent unrest, it was not on the right. Um, I, I think I would rather have, for the health of the country, I'd rather have the fighting and the freedom and the freedom of information than eliminate the freedom of information or, or taint it, skew it so hard to one side that enough people go along with it and, and there is calm. But then the question ends up being, well, what do you want the policies of an administration to be? How do you want laws to be made? Do you want them to be vetoed? Do you want vetoes to be overridden? Um, how do you? How would you like the Supreme Court to rule? So, it, during elections, it seems like those are the last things people were thinking about. And like I said, um, the man was rude. You know, man was uh, spiteful. And his tenor and tone left much to be desired. Speaking of Trump. The question is, what's he going to do? Now that I'm speaking of Biden. What's he going to do? We know what Trump did. It seemed like a pretty, pretty good time over the last three years. 56% of the people said their lives were better than they were four years ago. And now apparently Biden is claiming that People, This election proved that people wanted change, not more of the same. 54% of the people were perfectly happy with the same. Same is not always bad. <clears throat> but I know that the change people thought of that was always in parentheses was change the man in the office, change the man behind the microphone. But what they did is, unwittingly, they allowed the preamble for an eventual Trump comeback. Now, no one ever thinks that far ahead or that that might happen or might not happen, but Trump is still eligible to run for office again. And during the Biden administration, if the things people liked about their life change, and I'll go into more of that later, then I think you might be looking at a, a a a Biden-Harris 2024 race. Is something to just chew on for a little while. Because you know Trump's going to live to be 180. So with that, I will take a quick break. And then I'll talk more about these actual specific things. that uh, w- What the big six issues are, as I'm going to start calling them. Because I'm going to be watching them and referring to them. And they are really what matter to me. I looked past the giant orange rude face and saw the things. And I think it is on these things that we were largely in agreement, 56% on a, in agreement. Um, but then the media plays its role. According to me, Megan, again, these are all my opinions. But I thank my smart friend for, um, for uh, striking that note in my mind because it gave me some good thoughts. With that, I will take a quick break. And when I come back, I will get into some specifics. you in a moment welcome back to sam walking in the world now a message from the world's coolest educator Coolest educator coming back at
1: you with some thoughts about today's society so i often find myself looking at students and i can tell the ones are going to be successful because they are determined they, they work hard. They persevere. When they get knocked down, they know how to get back up. Because they have parents that didn't tell them that everybody's a winner, that everybody gets a trophy. doesn't matter how you play, because you're going to get a ribbon at the end of the contest. And all those parents have done their kids a disservice. Love your kids, but also loving them and teaching them how to get back up and to move forward. Not to blame somebody else. Not to wait for your fifth, eighth, 25th, 150th place trophy so you can feel good because you got something even though you weren't good enough to place first, second, or third. And that's the problem right now because we have generations now of kids that just think that they're entitled to something. You know, they're entitled to go to college on mommy and daddy's dime and then they want a $100,000 job when they get out. And that idea that they're gonna work hard, in a low paying job and rise up through the ranks to eventually get that six figure salary to them, that's, that's unacceptable. Because again, they grew up being told by their parents that you're amazing, even when they're not. So I remember when I was younger, and I would try out for a team, and I didn't make it. Physically, I was I was smaller. So I, my mother said, you want to you make a team, you got to work out. You got to put the time in. And that was an eye-opener for me. So I put the time in. And those moments, those lessons when I was younger, have absolutely paid off. Because I understand what it means to roll your sleeves up and outwork everybody else. But the problem is right now in our society, in America, that we've forgotten. As a, as a society, what it means to work hard, to really work hard, to wake up two hours earlier, to put the time in. If you're going to be a good guitar player, put the time in. If you're going to be a great
0: Is it any wonder why he's risen all the way up to the top of the coolness rankings to be the world's coolest educator? I think not. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Moving on. Now, along the same lines of the conversation I just had with my smart friend, um, One of the last things that he mentioned was, uh, I'm sure facetiously, he said, he said, well, he he texted, at least we can get through this dark period in our history. No, he said, at least this dark period in our history is over. Don Lemon can sleep easy now. And I quickly texted back, no, no, no. He's going to rail against those un-American people who resist Biden. They're not going to be opposition reflecting any division in our country. They're going to just be um, outliers who are sore losers and can't handle the fact that the correct president is now in office. I was talking to my wife about it this morning. Watch how the media lavishes support on Biden. He's going to get questions like, how much gratitude does it give you now that the country has, has shown you that they don't want to have such a divisive president? and They want such a uniter as yourself. They're going to ask him things like, "Do you have any? Uh, let's see. Do you have any anger still at at how unfairly you were treated by the Trump campaign, the lies that they spread about you? Are, are you are you harboring any animosity still, or or are you going to to let that go for the good of the country? They'll probably ask him questions like, as a uniter." Um, you're probably going to bring both sides together and, and build a path moving forward that America can be proud of now that this, this stain on our history is behind us. And they're going to ask, that wasn't even a question. They're going to ask questions like, do you think that now that you are, now that we have a president who isn't racist, that it will trickle down and that there will be less racism in the country? Or do you think the Trump supporters are going to continue to carry on the racial message, the racist message that their that their leader uh, prescribed, encouraged, demonstrated? And we get a couple good questions like, "Do you think Trump was pure evil?" From your position of relative goodness, is it are you able to see whether the 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 evil that he represents is pure. We're going to ask him questions like, President Biden, you are the greatest. I'm sorry, you are the greatest? Unbelievable. It will just become normal. They won't ask about whether or not he his approach toward China is going to be affected by his son's billion-dollar business deal. They're not going to ask him questions about whether or not he's going to put far-left partisans in his cabinet. Although, I don't even think it matters who's in his cabinet, really. I think it's symbolic. The one place where it does matter, though, is in Vermont. For those of you who haven't thought about this, it's been bandied about that Bernie Sanders will be Joe Biden's Labor Secretary. And he'll be the one that takes the uh, uh, takes on the challenge of redistributing wealth back from the rich fat cats who do nothing for this country except eat bonbons, and give it back to the poor, the hard working people, the the all those people in the inner city that are um, unfairly treated, all the all those dark blue city districts where. Where they have just a, they are ravaged by disproportionate wealth, and and Bernie Sanders is a perfect man to do that to restructure the economy and the economic system so that it's a less rewarding of the greedy, the people that just inherited money and and they just sit on their money they they swim in it like Scrooge McDuck, probably exactly like Scrooge McDuck now that I think about it take some of that money out of the tub and and put it in some wheelbarrows and take it a little ways across town. Um, But it matters whether or not Bernie Sanders is in the cabinet. Unlike, it might matter whether or not Elizabeth Warren is in the cabinet, uh, or whether or not uh, Beto O'Rourke is in the cabinet. Um, Whether or not the ghost of Karl Marx is in the cabinet. The reason why it matters to whether or not Bernie is in the cabinet is because Bernie is a sitting senator. Think about it. Bernie is a sitting senator in Vermont. I wonder how many of you know how he would be replaced if he were to take a position in the Biden cabinet. If you don't know, if you you don't remember as far back as Obama's seat being replaced and how that works, uh, I'll remind you. The open seat of a senator is filled by appointment, and the person who appoints that person is the governor, and the governor is in Vermont. Is Phil Scott a Republican? You think Phil Scott's going to appoint a Democrat in a closely challenged Senate? Nearly split Senate? I don't understand also why the Senate is so split if we're so unified as a country. I would think they would all be of the same ideology. That's weird. But they are split. And apparently there is a great division in the Senate, even though there isn't any more any in the country. But the Senate is still split. Um, and so that seat matters a great deal. It is uh, consequential to, to lawmaking, literally. So if Bernie Sanders takes that spot and Phil Scott, Appoints a Republican, even if it only lasts until the end of Bernie's term, which I think is in two years. Then, uh oh. So I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, not. I don't even think it would matter that much if it did. If it, I mean, if you, if if Phil Scott was a Democrat and appointed a Democrat, but Bernie took a spot in the cabinet, I honestly don't know. And that gets to me. The next thing I really want to talk about. What is Joe Biden actually going to do or try to do? For what will he push? What is his agenda? I feel like we elected a man who we know who his his supporters are and what they want, especially those in political positions. But what is Joe going to do? And whether and will that unite or not unite our country? The question is whether or not we'll see resistance to it. Because if he chooses things that there is a strong resistance to it, will indicate that we have, we have still not yet been united. Will it be things we can all say, yeah, you know what? We're not getting everything we wanted, but we can live with that. Because unless that's what he's planning on doing, finding that sweet spot in the middle. Um, which I don't in my lifetime. I don't think I've ever seen. Maybe Clinton, Bill Clinton. He did uh, welfare reform, and he cut taxes, um, and he worked across the aisle with uh, the new Gingrich House, and I think I think there were, I think that was why plenty of people on both sides like Bill Clinton. But I since then, I have not seen um, a president that created unity by taking ideological positions in the middle and policy proposals in the middle um so it's going to be interesting to see is he going because if he if he goes with his far left which is really his main support base if he goes with them policy wise um i have a feeling it's it's still going to be made to appear as though we're united on it because How will we find out whether or not we're united? We'll know from the media. News stories that are covered or not covered. What gets highlighted and doesn't. Um, So it'll be through the lens of the mainstream media that we find out whether or not we're unified. Otherwise, how could you do it? Obviously, you can't do it by, by judging from your own personal life and what's going on around you. Because I don't know if there was ever any unrest. And I challenge you again, ask yourself. During the Trump administration, did you experience a greater deal of unrest between yourself and fellow citizens? Or was it always in the context of politics? So I don't know if it ever even gets down that far. But it'd be interesting to see if we're called united. If half of the country still wants something different than the other half. And will, will Biden be able to find that spot in the middle? That, that really is the question. Because he's up against a pretty strong left. Now, just as an example, let me just go through a few of these. Um, first, on the tax cuts. his first Joe Biden's first promise was he, he was going to eliminate the Trump tax cuts because they were, quote, only for the wealthy, and they did nothing for anyone else, basically. Um, statistics dispute that claim wage increases low black unemployment rate female unemployment rate latino unemployment rate Um, the stock market which I think can't always be an indicator because the stock market always likes both candidates because it's donated to both candidates I just wonder I just wonder how the economy will be um, if those tax cuts are rescinded, honestly, I mean, I have a feeling the cause and effect was tax cuts, more money for businesses, more growth, more ability to hire. That's kind of the way I imagine if thinking linearly. But it'll be interesting to see, does Joe Biden eliminate those tax cuts? If he believes that they are only for the super rich, then the thing he ought to do for the betterment of the country is cut them. Will he? Is that true? And will he? So it's already getting convoluted. You have to take the supposition that it's bad for everyone else except the rich in order to think it's good to cut them, I mean, to to erase them. And if it's not just good for them, but like the stats I, I just cited, if it's good for a lot of people and he cuts them, well, then that's not really best for the country. But again, he's got a decision to make now. It's a very clear landscape. Um, what people want is very clear. What tr- what Biden is for is not so clear. Um, how about on fossil fuels? He's he's definitely going to eliminate fracking by um, by twenty thirty five. Actually, he's going to eliminate all fossil fuel energy production by twenty thirty five. Even if the, in sometimes some cases he said twenty fifty. I think, uh, I think what it was is all fossil fuels are gone by 2050 and all use, a- energy production from fossil fuels is gone by 2035. I do believe that's what he said. And again, I'll remind you, 70% of electricity right now is, is um, the result of natural gas, a fossil fuel. A fairly clean fossil fuel, but a fossil fuel nonetheless. It's part of what we need to get rid of. So I'm just... Putting it out there, how how are we going to replace seventy percent of our electrical output production? Uh, so that'll be an interesting one to watch because he's for fracking. No, he's against fracking. No way he's for fracking. No way he's against fracking. He looked two different groups directly in the eyes and said both things. Um, it probably wasn't covered as highly in the um, in the uh, media watched by the. Uh, Pathologically uninformed, but I'm I'm betting most of you saw that. Um, I wonder if he is going to put into action the reimagining of policing. And we've heard that's what needs to be done. We need to re... First, it was outright defund the police. Defund the police because they exercise rampant police brutality against minority groups, particularly those of color. That's what we were told. And whenever there was a, a cop on black shooting, even if it was a black cop, it was presumed to be racial or some systemic problem that exists in law enforcement. I wonder what how, how the next incident like that will be covered. Will it, will it be considered to be the result of some Biden policy? I mean, Biden is white and so Biden has white privilege, and and I'll get to that later. If you can't see it coming, I'm already imagining what will be the greatest possible way for Joe Biden to admit and resolve his white privilege, to be forgiven for his white privilege. Like Shelby Steele says, we're all trying to get forgiven for our white privilege. So I wonder, will he defund, refund, reimagine, and specifically, how will the media react? We saw how they reacted to every single incident of a, an African-American being shot by police during the Trump administration. So, I'm, of course, I'm not looking forward to one of those happening. Not looking forward to it at all. But it will be interesting to see how it works. I think that's going to be my main goal moving forward in the Biden, during the Biden administration of this show. The political part of this show is going to be to make comparisons, clear comparisons to actual events, and try to illustrate just simply by sharing events and facts uh, how the media um, is not a, let's say, objective referee. Uh, how about banning assault weapons? Hell yeah, I'm coming for your guns. Now, I personally, I just have to say this. I, I am a gun owner and a member of a gun club. But I personally would probably never buy an uh, an, an AR-15, which doesn't stand for Assault Rifle 15. I'm not even sure what it stands for. It's not that. Um, but I've seen them at the range. And they are very powerful very loud um, and also very light and very accurate which is why so many people use them for own protection they are said to be the best weapon for own protection because anyone can wield them um, even in a tight spot when it has to be done quickly and they're very deadly <coughs> so um, but I myself would not um, and in uh, I'll get later later on I'll get into this the the danger of arguing this slippery slope because both sides do it, the Democrats do it on abortion. If they if they allow even a day before birth abortion to not be legal, if they make that illegal, then pretty soon it's going to be a month before, and then five months before, and then pretty soon abortion is going to be illegal, and Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. So they say if you give an inch, you're going to have to give a mile. So they so they are for late term abortions, which I think is awful. And and the NRA, on the other side, will not bend at all, even on the most powerful and dangerous weapons, because they feel like it will lead to the next weapon, and the next regulation, and the next law. And then before you know it, we will not be able to bear arms. I have to say, at least bearing arms is in the Constitution. It isn't in the Constitution the right to have an abortion. But like I said, my feelings are not um, etched in stone on abortion. I guess neither are they on guns. But we know for a fact that Beto O'Rourke is coming for your guns. And we know that Donald I mean that Donald Trump that Joe Biden said that that Beto O'Rourke is going to be his man on that front. So I guess the pudding is made in the Senate and in that in, in Congress. It's going to be interesting to see what proof there is of whether or not he's actually going to go after guns. Whether or not that lobby will still be as anxious about stopping guns and banning guns when they have a Biden president. Are they going to hold his feet to the fire? Because it, it, Apparently it was very important during the election. And that's kind of what I'm going to follow. Which things were very important during the election? And Since we're so close, that's why I'm taking this time right now to, to take them one at a time. How about this? A government option to health care that doesn't interfere in any way with your private health insurance or the doctor that you have, your ability to see your doctor, the cost of your health care. Joe Biden promised, who would not be for that? I would, I would be for that. I would say, yes, give this government option to all the people who can't afford health care. Uh, if you're saying that it won't affect the cost of mine or interfere with mine in any way, give it to them. However, if it does interfere, that does interfere with mine the 160 million of us who have private health insurance and the 30 million who don't people say those numbers very rarely very rarely 160 million americans probably have what you could call middle-class housing i bet 30 million don't should they get houses Will you be willing to give up less of your house for them? Less of your money? Um, buy a house with a lower mortgage so that you can give them money to get a house. It would be this, a similar dynamic with health care. Not to mention, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that when a, a government option is available because the government has an endless amount of money and doesn't have to worry about pricing terms of going out of business it can constantly underbid private health insurance until it's gone when the private health insurance industry can't afford to stay in competition with the government the government will have all of the business and then all of the authority that's how i see it i could be wrong honestly i could be wrong that's the crux of why i don't want it and if someone could convince me that that, no that won't happen or or point to me where it has happened uh, then i'll be on board but I know that the result of Obamacare was nothing like the promise of Obamacare. Unless you're watching certain news networks where they have, I'm sure, all have private health insurance. And enough of a surplus of money that they can give money. But I'm sure they don't give you know, a 160 to 30 ratio to the poor. They do concerts. Bruce Springsteen will do a free concert and let all of the proceeds that people pay to go watch it go to... Um, poor people's healthcare. He won't give away any of his actual wealth. Or maybe he'll give away some, but he'll remain extremely wealthy. In other words, he'll remain on the on the far side of the spectrum of the distribution of wealth, even though he's against unequal distribution of wealth. I'm not picking on Bruce Springsteen. I love Bruce Springsteen, by the way. But sometimes he throws his hat into the political ring, and I want to pick the hat up and throw it back to him. Uh, how about shutting down the virus? Joe's not going to shut down the country. He's not going to shut down the economy. He's going to shut down the virus. It'll be interesting to see how. It'll be interesting to see what he does different. None of the promises he made were any different than Trump's actions that he was taking, his policies. But he will, the difference between Trump and Biden is Biden will not have held something back from the American people from January. He knew that it was airborne, and or at least he claimed to know it was airborne. He kept that because he from the public because he didn't want to panic uh, us. Uh, Biden Biden is in the position of not having done that. So that's one difference. Um, see, the other difference is he'll wear a mask everywhere. That will probably prevent at least tens of thousands of people from not getting COVID. I mean, from getting COVID. See what I'm getting that. And as COVID goes away, as it normally would on the course it was probably always going to take, no matter what ha- was happening around it, as it, bl- it works its way through communities, works its way through the country, and then dissipates because of herd immunity and treatments and probably eventually a virus, I wonder who will get credit for it. It probably should be Biden, right? I mean, he didn't lie to the country in January, and he wears a mask. And And, by the way, he's the president. And this one, I've been saving this tasty one. Systemic bias and white privilege. It was, if you ask the left, it was the bane of our existence. Everybody was admitting their white privilege and apologizing for it. Everybody. Every entertainer you can think of. Every um, liberal politician. And I'm wondering, will that go away now? Right? Will that go away? How will we know it? I mean, the system is still the system. I mean, it can't simply be deconstructed in one election term. You know, as much as Trump did his best to maintain that white privilege and keep the um, the systemically biased, you know, girders in place in the structure. As much as he did. I mean, Biden's, I would think Biden's going to take a wrecking ball to that because we don't want systemic bias. We don't want white privilege. I'm just curious how he's going to repair it, and how will we know whether or not he repaired it? I, I'm sure it will be reported on the news, whether or not it continues to exist at the same rate. I know that. I know that one thing Donald Trump did was reduce the wealth gap because wages rose and unemployment among poor grew. I mean, employment grew. Unemployment went down. So I'm trying to figure out where. That's one way I can imagine you could see if systemic bias was being thwarted by actual economic growth, people's lives, betterment in people's lives. Um, Because I'm sure ultimately that's that's the currency, right? The currency is the currency. How will you know whether or not a a racial group is being treated more fairly? Well, you would see them do better economically, I would guess. Well, they were. But now I guess with the elimination of systemic bias, now that Biden is president, it's going to be even better for them. So we're going to keep an eye on the black unemployment rate. We're going to keep an eye on the Latino unemployment rate, the unemployment rate in general i hate to single them out like that but that is the group of people who are allegedly most harmed by systemic bias and white privilege so it'll be interesting to see and then there is the question of biden's own systemic bias biden's own white privilege clearly he has benefited from the system that we have he has gradually worked his way up a white structure predominantly run by white men old men in a lot of cases and now biden he himself is is standing as an old white man as the most powerful man in the country and the world probably and he is of white privilege I wonder how much it will be highlighted. I'm sure it probably will be decentuated in the news. As will the fact that Kamala Harris is a descendant of slave owners. That sounds crazy to you. Please look it up. Her descendants were Jamaican slave owners. And you really don't have to go that far back to look it up. Uh, it was it was the lineage was actually documented, and it is true, and it's not even being denied. But it, it doesn't matter. God, could you imagine if Trump came directly from slaveholders? My goodness, the field day. But I'm sure that's going to be of no consequence because she herself is of color. She's not African-American. I don't think. She's a mix of two other ethnic groups, but she is no doubt a woman of color. More importantly, she's a liberal woman of color. We'll get to that later on. I'm going to talk about the 13 new GOP representatives in the House and how they're getting so little attention. I bet you can't name three of them. I had trouble even finding them on Google and Wikipedia, anywhere. A list of GOP new GOP elected representatives in the House. I I, I, I challenge you, again, go look it up. See if you can find a list of their names. See how long it takes you. I quit trying. I imagine I'll, I'll eventually find them out. I'll, I'll continue to look, but um, it's not an easy task. Not like the number of, uh, let's say, lies Trump told. You can find those by in your first search, and it'll probably be in the second item, third item, fourth item try to find the 13 GOP women that were just elected to this to the House of Representatives. Most people know Stefani uh, because I think she spoke actually she's not new but she was re-elected um, but there are 13 others that were newly elected non- incumbent winners and and they helped they were the thrust the driving force behind the the um, Republicans gaining 12 seats in the House of Representatives. That's also kind of not spoken much about. This election in general was not bad for Republicans. They took back 12 seats in the House of Representatives under Nancy Pelosi, and that's why there's talk of some fracture in the Democratic Party. And there ought to be, because something has to change the fact that they're being driven by the Ocasio-Cortez wing. So and I was thinking about it, thinking about it, and I thought, you know what? How perfect would this be? I want to say it now instead of waiting because I, I think I have a chance to be the first person in the world to say this. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, um, episode 33. Well, that message was brought to you by the Bongo Man. Hey! Oh, would you help him? What are you doing here? Oh my God, tape him up or don't get blood on the floor of Caveman Studios, please, if you can avoid it. I'm glad you're here, buddy. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. Yep, he's doing a good job. Don't worry. You're not on hiatus. You're back. Okay? Thank you, Bongo Man. And you might as well take the rest of the afternoon off. Yeah. Yep, Milky. All right, if you're sure. Okay, if you're sure, you can do it. You sure you can do it?